0: We're here to just worship the Lord together and hear the word of the Lord, and that's what I want to do this morning. I want to get into the word of God. Uh, we, we ask ourselves oftentimes, maybe even from the time we are very young, a couple of questions, or sometimes these questions encounter uh, we encounter as we're, you know, 50. It is, what am I looking for in life? Uh, what do I want to be when I grow up? I worked with a lady uh, years ago at um, a company we worked for uh, up in Northbrook called Utilities Incorporated. And she was, she's older than I am. So I, I think at the time she decided to leave Utilities, she was either approaching 50 or right around there, maybe somewhere in that range, I think. And I said, well, you know, why are you leaving? And she said, well, I finally figured out what I want to be when I grow up. (laughs) So sometimes it takes that long. You know, it really does. It does. Um, What am I supposed to do with my life? And those are important questions to ask, and I wouldn't dismiss them at all as being unimportant. But I think that as a believer, for the believer today, The one question that I believe we need to ask, or in fact, maybe before we start to ask those questions, is start with this question. Ask ourselves, what is God looking for? What is God looking for? Not only for my life, but also in the world that we're living in, what is God looking for? And I will tell you, over the last 14 months, if there is any any truth that I arrived at, and you would think, man, for Pastor, you've had 14 months. There's got to be great revelations. Well, no, <laughs> there's not. Uh, but the one revelation, the illumination, I don't want to say revelation, it wasn't like, you know, God appeared somehow in the room, and, uh, is that if there is anybody that we need in our lives, it is the Lord. We need God more than anything else. You cannot depend on anything. I'm talking anything right now. Uh, and, And we couldn't then, you can't now, you can't depend anything on anything that derives from a human standpoint, that comes from man. You just cannot depend on it. Everything, as the hymn says, all other ground is sinking sand. On Christ, the solid rock I stand. The question that I ask is the title of my message. What is God looking for? And let me just immediately jump to what I believe is constant in the four things I want to point out in this, in this answer. Is that God is looking for people. He's just looking for people. You know, so often we look around in our world and we we have, over the last 14 months, we have had various messages told to us, this is the most important thing our society is facing. This is the most desperate situation. This is, and depending on who you talk to, you've got a difference of opinion on what those things are. But I want to tell you today that the one thing that God is looking for is people, just people. So we can go home now. No, I'm kidding. (laughs) Let's get into this a little bit because the Word of God shows us some more specifics about what it is that he is looking for. In fact, Luke chapter 19 and verse 10 gives us a picture and an understanding of what it is that God is looking for or what kind of people God is looking for. First of all, God is looking for people who are lost he's looking for people who are lost luke 19:10 says this for the son of man came to seek and to save the lost this is in fact the whole reason why he came years ago it became a revelation to me as i got older in life and in and certainly was in ministry and and as you read the bible you begin to look at things a, a whole lot differently, and especially as it approaches Christmas time, we love Christmas and we love all the things associated with Christmas—the lights and all the decorations and the, the presents. Who doesn't love the presents? And and you have all of those things happening at Christmas time, and it's just this wonderful, joyous occasion. And and so often, and I know you've heard me preach it before, is that the Bible reveals that when the angel came to uh, Joseph in a dream. He says, you're to give him the name Jesus. Why? Because Jesus meant something. The name Jesus is the Greek translation of the Old Testament, the Hebrew, Joshua, because he will save his people from what? Their sins. He's going to save his people from their sins. The greatest problem that we have as a humanity, as a human race is the sin problem. Deep down on the inside, the Bible says this, David confessed this in Psalm 51, that great prayer of repentance. He says, in sin did my mother conceive me. We came into the world with this nature that is geared toward later years. We we have this concept of, let me try to get away with things. Let me try to do what I want to do. It is that, that understanding. And yet the whole reason why Jesus came into the world, he came came not only to seek people, he came to save people. One of the things, the scriptures that I, it, it became, you know, we hear this, this talked about from time to time, and I haven't prepared a message on it, but I'll just point this out. A lot of people say, well, we're all children of God. And I, I have uh, thought about that, and in the light of scripture, and the Bible lets us know that to as many as received him, he gave the right to become the children of God. I understand what they're saying or trying to say, but I want to tell you there's a whole different type of relationship that is involved when you receive Jesus, then you have the right to be known as the children of God, and I want to tell you that is so vital, it's so important for us to know as believers that we're not just the only ones. Remember the story of the, the the shepherd that lost that one sheep. That one sheep wandered away. And what did the shepherd do? The shepherd went after the one, left the 99 in the sheepfold, left them there, and went searching for the one. And when they found that one, came back rejoicing that he had found that one lost sheep. God is concerned with the lost he is looking for the lost people sometimes who are lost don't know that they're lost and that's what we're seeing in our world today people have rejected Christ to the point where now in their rejection there is absolutely nothing on the inside of them that causes them to feel like i need god So many of them don't even know that. They know there is something missing. They just don't know it's God. Listen to what Psalm 102, verses 19 and 20 says. Here it is. The Lord looked down from his sanctuary on high. From heaven he viewed the earth. To hear the groans of the prisoners... And release those condemned to death. The Bible says this in the book of Romans that the wages of sin is death. He's looking to release those who are condemned because of their sin. He is looking to get them out. He is looking down and I love this picture. It's it is this great and awesome and mighty God who is who is in the heavens and yet he he looks down from his sanctuary and he looks to this humanity. He looks to this earth and he looks to release those who are in bondage to sin. He is looking for the sinner. He is looking for them. In the light of that, what are you looking for? As a believer, are we looking to really reach out to somebody? Are we looking to really minister to somebody in their despair without God? Well, listen, I, I got to tell you, if there's anything that we found over these last 14 months, it is that the world is full of despair. Hopelessness abounds everywhere. And I'm going to tell you, those who are trying to work up solutions from a human perspective, they ain't going to hit the target until Jesus is number one in the picture. There's absolutely nothing that's going to be solved until Jesus is at the center of what it is that we're doing. And the more our society rejects God, the more it is going to delve into absolute mayhem and chaos. We need Jesus, and Jesus is looking for sinners. He is looking for those who have yet to come into the kingdom. So that leads us to this question, what else is he looking for? and that is he is looking for people to be ambassadors. This is where you and I come in. He is looking for us to be ambassadors. Isaiah chapter 6 and verse 8. Isaiah 6 and verse 8. The Bible says this, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I, send me. Here am I, send me. Isaiah is in the house of the Lord, he is in the temple, he is having this vision that's taking place where the Bible says that the glory of the Lord filled the temple. He's having this incredible spiritual experience with God, and a voice speaks loudly, and it doesn't speak to him first and says, now, first of all, you've got to repent. Isaiah is about to to talk about that in the context of that chapter. We don't have time to read it all, but he's going to get there, and God has a solution for that. He has a solution for the imperfection of Christians. How many of you are imperfect today? You can lift your hands. You can probably lift both of those hands. We are imperfect. So how does God work with that? Well, the Bible tells us that one of the cherubim flew, that he's in this vision, flew to the altar and grabbed a coal from the altar and touched his lips. It didn't burn him. It cleansed him. And there he says, I've touched your lips. You're going to have something to say. I'm going to use you. But he says this. I want you to see this. He says, then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom shall I send? I love the fact that God Almighty, God who is absolutely holy and perfect and righteous and can do anything, decides, chooses to use you and me. It's it's baffling to me. I don't know that I have a a proper answer for why God chooses to use us. I just know that he does. Scripture reveals over and over again, he chose some of the most human people. (laughs) Not superhuman, human. Just ordinary people. I I just read 1 Samuel 17 and and that, that wonderful just, I love the story of David and Goliath. Goliath is the superhuman in the story. A giant. I mean, I don't know how big his, you know, the Bible says that he had somebody who was, a, 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 you know, who carried a shield. I mean, this guy had to be pretty big, too, in order to carry a shield for a guy who they estimate was close to, if not over, nine feet tall. How big was his shield bearer? That had to be a heavy shield. And there we see the superhuman kind of guy going at the ordinary shepherd boy. And yet God used the ordinary shepherd boy to be what he wanted him to be in that moment. You see, to represent him, getting back to Isaiah, to represent him, you need to be sensitive to his voice, which is exactly what Isaiah was. The only way that we can really learn to know God's voice is to be where Isaiah was. And that is pure and simple in the presence of the Lord spending time with him. The only way that we can be used by God is to have a sensitivity to the voice of the Lord. Well, how does God speak? God speaks through his word. He speaks through the Holy Spirit. He speaks through that time in prayer that you have. He speaks to your heart, but we have to have a sensitive voice. If we're going to represent him, an ambassador doesn't go to a foreign country and carry out his own plans. He listens to the voice of the president who has a foreign policy, who says, here's how we need to relate to this nation through all of the advisors and the councils. And the, ad- ed- the ambassador goes to that country lives there, and carries out that plan. That's what we need to do. Here's our plan. Here is our blueprint. The blueprint is in the word of God. We find it there. We have to be sensitive to his voice. But not only that, to represent him, you need to be available. Isaiah said, now, Lord, I know of five people who will be willing to go for you. Oh, no, he didn't say that. He said, here am I. Send me. Here am I. Send me. Send me. God has never looked for great talents. He's never looked for great skill, great abilities. He has looked for those who are willing to say what he wanted them to say. He has never looked for individuals who had this incredible skill, this incredible ability. He simply looks for people who will be willing to say, I'll do it. Looking for a volunteer. (laughs) I remember at Bible college, they would ask for volunteers to do stuff. Yeah, I, I would be as I am right now. Hand, one hand in the pocket and probably both hands in the pocket. Oh, no, that's not my cup of tea. That's not what I want to do. You know, sometimes God asks us to do things that we don't want to do, that we don't like to do. From time to time, we get an assignment that we're not keen on, And yet the Bible lets us know whatever we do, do it all in the name of the Lord. So the end result is to glorify the Lord, not you anyhow. It's not to glorify me. It's not to glorify anybody, any person other than the Lord. So we have to be willing to say, here I am. I've got to be available. And to represent him, you need to be concerned with all that God is concerned with. How do we find that out? The world is expressing its concerns. I mean, you talk, you talk the ability these days to find out what's going on on the far reaches of, of the planet. On the other side of the planet, just look at social media. You just, all, that's all you got to do. And there is all, kind, all kinds of voices are coming at us. Everything is coming at us, and this is important, and that is important. And I want to tell you this is one of the reasons why I would encourage you. Some, some people like to, well, I like to read my Bible on my phone. That doesn't always go so well, just so you know, because that notification rolls in from the top. Oh, look at that. Ooh. Every now and then you need to just pick up a copy of the Scripture or something that ain't connected and just read and, and find out what's important to the Lord. Find out what he desires. Find out what is in God's heart. So often you will find that it is, it is often what people are clamoring for. They're just clamoring for it in a different way. They're just expressing it in a different way. What they really need is they need Jesus in their lives to cleanse them of their sin and to make them whole to make them clean to realize as the bible says we're all fearfully and wonderfully made i got to tell you brothers and sisters this is absolutely important for us to represent him we have to be concerned with everything that he is concerned with listen to this second corinthians chapter 5 and verse 20 says this it says we therefore we are therefore christ's ambassadors As though God were making his appeal through us. Literally, that's what an ambassador does. The leader makes his appeal through that individual. We implore you on Christ's behalf. Here's what God's concerned about. Be reconciled to God. Our our world is in upheaval because it's not reconciled to God. People have pushed God aside and said, we want what we want. But we've got all kinds of problems. We don't know how to fix them, but we want what we want. God says, but wait a minute, be reconciled to me, and I'll help you to come up with solutions to these problems. So be reconciled to God. To represent him, you need to be concerned with all that he is concerned with. His message has to flow through us. The next thing that God is looking for is people to intercede. People to intercede if our world is in such desperate upheaval, what will it take? I need to go back and find, I don't actually think I have the book anymore in my library. I, I could be wrong. And I, I think I saw a copy the other day at a at a bookstore where I'd taken some old videos and they, they give you, they basically give you less than a buck for each video. But it was something, you know, get a little cash back on your I was browsing in the the Christian section, and there was a book called *The Body* by Chuck Colson. I don't know if any of you have ever heard of Chuck Colson. He's long since been with, gone to be with the Lord. He was in the Nixon administration during the Watergate scandal. Spent time in prison. Found Christ in prison. Started a ministry called Prison Fellowship. If you've ever heard of Prison Fellowship, Chuck Colson was the the author or or the the founder of that. He's also an author of a book called The Body. And he, he records in there, and I'm going based on some memory of a long a book I read a long time ago, this book, where during the the time where communism was starting to fall in the Soviet Union, right before Soviet Union, Romania experienced that that iron curtain drop. And he records in there a story of a number of Romanian Christians who had huddled together uh, somewhere in a church, and they were praying for God to change their nation. They were praying, God, you've got to come in, and you've got to do something. And not long after that, all of a sudden, the revolution took place, and Ceausescu, the, the, the dictator who had long been in charge of that country, was slain and taken out of the way. And then, as as it wasn't really war that broke out, it was freedom that broke out in that nation, that freedom that they had never known before. And during that time, there were people who were interceding. They were praying, God, please rescue our nation, rescue this land. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. It's going to be up on the screen. It says this. I looked for someone uh, someone among them who would build up the wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. What What an absolute horrible kind of ending in that verse. I found no one. This is God speaking to his people through the prophet Ezekiel. I looked for somebody who would be an intercessor. I looked for somebody who would pray, not just for themselves, not just for their own problems, but that God would come down and begin to shake our nation from the white house to my house. That God would begin to do something more than what we have ever begun to see in the past or ever that we have seen in the past and would see in the future. That God would use this now moment, that he would use this time to be able to intervene. But you know what God is looking for? He's looking for people who are willing to stand in the gap. You see, God looks for ordinary people. The Bible says here he look for a man among them, looks for someone, anyone. It's not specific to men, by the way. It's anyone. It is anybody to stand in the gap, somebody to pray, somebody to get involved, somebody to call upon the Lord. Why? Because ordinary people know what it's like to go through the pains of other ordinary people. God is looking for you not to come up with a solution that will rock this world. He's looking for you to pray to a God who is able to come in and rescue in in our world today. God looks for ordinary people, people like Moses, who stood between God and the people. Moses did just that, one who would pray for the people that they might be healed and that God would not destroy the people. I got to tell you, in this land, in this nation, so many churches have just acquiesced to the current movement of things. And I got to tell you, what we need is people who will just say, God, we got to hold on to your hand and we got to pray that you come down and you intervene. You bring revival in my life so that revival will spread throughout this world, this nation and that you will have complete and total control in in our situation. But i got to tell you, the people, the Bible lets us know in the book of Daniel, the people who know their God will be strong and do great exploits, great deeds. You and I need to be strong. We need to be connected to him and stand in the gap. The final thing that God is looking for is he's looking for people to be committed to him. Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9, just the first part of that verse, says, for the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. I heard that verse many years ago. I can't remember where I first heard it. It was before, you know, it was when I was very young. Actually, was, I think it was in high school. One of my favorite Christian music artists at that time was Steve Camp, a guy by the name of Steve Camp. And uh, he was kind of a hard-rocking dude, but he loved Jesus. So, you know, all the lyrics were good, and they were, they were about the Lord, but it was just my kind of thing. And he quoted this verse of Scripture in the song, and I thought, that is such a powerful Scripture. And from that time, it's been one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. Think about it, that God is looking throughout the whole earth. His eyes are going back and forth. They range throughout the whole earth to strengthen those whose hearts are committed to him. A committed, committed and completely and totally to him. Commitment to him consists of caring all that he cares about. Being committed to him says, Lord, it doesn't matter what I go through, what I experience, I need to be committed to you. I need to be sold out to you no matter what the world does. Lord, like those three Hebrew boys who stood when everybody else bowed down to that idol in that valley that day. Lord, I don't want to be like the rest of everybody. I want to be completely and totally committed. And I will tell you, God's eyes were upon those three. And we know that because we know the end result of how they came out of that fiery furnace without the smell of smoke, without the smell of hell on their garments. I mean, they came out of there unbound. They went in bound. They came out unbound, and God used the fire merely to take away that which caused, took away their freedom. And they came out of it, and they came out stronger than ever before. And the end result... The end result of that story was not just that God got them through, but all of a sudden God got a hold of Nebuchadnezzar's heart. The king of the nation who had set himself up in the place of God now is issuing a decree that everybody needs to worship their God. Think about that for a minute. Why? Because three guys out of I don't know how many people decided that they were going to be completely committed to him. God's eyes stopped at that moment and said, there they are. We're going to take care of them. We're going to help them. He is looking for heart commitment, not just external commitment. External commitment's easy at times. But it gets harder and harder when the heart is not commitment committed. It gets harder and harder for there to be an external commitment to the things of God when the heart is not committed to the Lord. And this is so, so often we have to, it, it's become known, it's become known in our house as Jesus time. It, it's so often, if we don't have that Jesus time, the external commitment to the Lord becomes incredibly difficult. If, if we don't align our hearts with what God has to say, with what his heart is, with what he desires for us, and we stay committed to him, I want to tell you in that moment, it is very difficult for then the external. We can carry out the externals for a while, but after a while, it's like, eh, forget about it. Who cares? Let somebody else take care of that. Somebody else do it. I want to tell you that what God desires from us is us being committed to him. Look, I recognize this is a difficult time for everybody. I also know and have armed myself with the fact we're not here 100%. We're not. And I don't know that we will be for a while. I I really don't. But I know this. I know that God desires for us to be committed on the inside to him, to his word to his worship, that he desires that for us. And so we need to have that heart commitment, say, Lord, I'm going to recommit myself today to what you desire for my life. I'm going to give my all to you. He is looking to strengthen the committed. God is not looking to strengthen the uncommitted. He is looking to strengthen those whose hearts are completely his. And often as believers, we can have a divided heart. It can go in a number of different directions, and all of a sudden now we find ourselves in an uncommitted situation. I want to tell you today with all my heart, God God desires to strengthen you anew and afresh. Maybe it is here today, with every head bowed and every eye closed for a moment, I know I'm talking pretty much all to Christians today, as far as I know. It could be that you need to recommit your life to him, your heart to him. You know, the enemy is, is crafty. Hollywood depicts the devil in very horrific, disgusting kind of imagery, makes it look like he is this horrible thing to look at. You see, the scripture actually reveals something completely the opposite. Paul says that he disguises himself as an angel of light. And somewhere along the way, he gets in and he deceives, or at least he tries to deceive in your life to the point where you say, you know what, God, i am I am going through struggles and trials and difficulties, and don't you understand what i'm going through? <laughs> no, just read the book of Job and please hold on till the end, because God is about to reveal how much he knows about what you're going through, but he's also going to reveal a little bit of about his own character and his nature and what he's able to do and I want to tell you through all of that the Bible says Job did not sin. You see in everything that we go through. We have to be committed to him no matter how difficult the things are that we face. And I want to tell you today, I want to challenge and encourage you. If there is anybody in this place today, you know you need to recommit your life to the Lord. We're going to stand in just a moment. And I want us to pray together. And if that's you, you just put up your hand right now. And say, Lord, I need to make a recommitment to you. And then just put it down again. There's nobody looking around, nobody making a deal out of it for you. This is between you and God. In fact, I had my eyes closed, so I don't know who raised their hands or who did not. But I want to tell you today that God loves you, He cares for you, and now is the time for us to recommit our lives to the Lord. Let's stand to our feet today, and let's just pray together. Let's ask